All right, this is uh, the PowerMizzou.com podcast. We have no fancy music or anything because we are recording on our computers at home. And frankly, by this point, you're bored enough that you shouldn't really care if we have fancy music or not. You're listening because it's here. Um, that's why we're doing it. Uh, Gabe DeArmond, Mitchell Forty. Uh, we are staring at each other on Zoom, but you will just be listening to this. Uh, what's up, Mitch? It's like week. 97 of going nowhere and doing nothing yeah i was gonna say not much more of the same just trying to make stuff up for the for the website yeah there's actually been like uh, some amounts of news we'll we'll talk about some of that uh couple commitments uh, in both sports i guess since mm-hmm. we did this last time uh we'll get to that um but so I was watching TV because that's pretty much all I do these days. Um, I was watching the last dance over the weekend and it occurred to me like people your age have no memory of Michael Jordan being a basketball player. That's I remember that, him that being threw a me, that threw me for a loop. I remember him being a Washington wizard. Well, well I mean, those were really the best years of Jordan's yeah. career. So that's the best part to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him in space jam. That was my favorite movie as a kid. I, I turn that on. I've never seen it. Um, I it's turned probably it on. not really geared for 40 year olds. It's more for like the 10 year olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I turned it on like a week and a half ago and I think I saw like 25 minutes of it and I fell asleep. So yeah, I, I never restarted. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a classic from my childhood, but I think if I were to watch it for the first time now, I probably wouldn't love it. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, like, it doesn't really strike me as something I'm going to go back to. But, like, are you watching the are you watching the Last Dance? I'm not, and I should be. I need to, like, catch up on it. But I don't know. I need to find where I can watch, like, the episodes non-live. Because I missed the first two, and I didn't. And then last week I was free. Like, I could have watched, but I was like, well, I don't want to start at number three. So well, I know. Last week they re-aired the first two before the next two. I don't okay. know what their schedule is going to be. Uh, I need to do some on, do some looking into that. I have plenty of time to figure it out. I mean, it was it was pretty sweet because Dennis Rodman just said, "I need a vacation," and went to Vegas for forty eight hours in the middle of the season. I wouldn't mind doing that. I, I mean, that would be I like. Can you imagine the outrage on message boards if somebody just said? you know what? I'm out for two days. I'm going to go hang out in Vegas. No, I cannot. I mean, especially, yeah, no. <laughs> now that we, like you said in your thing Monday morning, now that we know what, what would be going on and yeah, it's like, it's a whole different thing. I mean, like there's all kinds of stories about even Jordan who was not nearly as crazy as Dennis Rodman. No one is nowadays that like, I don't know if they're all true, but you know, you hear about him like getting drunk and playing golf and then going and scored 40 points in a game or whatever. Right. Like, like there's no way that could happen today. Right. Like now, I mean, Matty Mock can't even go hang out at Willie's without it being a major <laughs> deal, you know? So, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, so I, I don't know, I guess we'll start, we're talking about basketball, so we'll start with basketball. We think that Missouri's roster is set, I guess, for next season. It looks like it right now. Um, there's always the possibility that uh, one of those guys who have declared for the NBA draft could stay in the draft. I think Xavier Pinson and Jeremiah Tillman are the only ones that, that possibly would stay in the draft. Um, you know, I, I'm, I feel like might now my guess is that both are going to come back. I think especially given that there's not going to be probably a real evaluation period or, or combine or anything like that suggests that, that, you know, I think, 
people would tell them you're probably better off with another year. Um, but we'll see. Uh, certainly, you know, there have been worse players that have stayed in the draft in the past. Right. So if that happens, they'd have another spot. I don't know if they would try to fill it with another, like I would, I would, I almost probably wouldn't. I mean, you might as well kind of bank that spot uh, unless you find a guy that you think could maybe would be a sit out guy this year who could help for the next few years. You don't necessarily need, you know, all 13 scholarships filled for the coming year, but they are going to to need to do a lot in, in 2021. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking right now that they're, uh, they're set for next season. Yeah, there's uh, – I mean, at this point, if Tillman or Pinson stays, like, there's nothing out there that's going to help you. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I kind of made the point, this recruiting class – like, two things can be true. I, you can be disappointed in this recruiting class, and, and I think it's 100% fair to be. In fact, I, if you're not, I, I'm not sure what you're basing that on. But also, this recruiting class was never really going to be what impacted this year's team. Uh, unless, I mean, don't get me wrong. If they'd gotten Caleb Love, yes, that impacts this year's team. But once that was obviously kind of out the window, I saw, by the way, he turned down the G League. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were, I yeah. guess, recruiting him. And I guess yeah. Roy is a better recruiter than whoever's in charge of the G League. But, uh, I, I mean, this year's class was never going to be about next year. So I posted on the board – uh, there's one site that, that predicts Missouri 19 and 12, 10 and 8 in the SEC. Like, if you are offered that record, if you're Conzo Martin and you're told you're 19 and 12 next year, you're 10 and 8 in the SEC, take your chances, what that means for the tournament. Do you take that or do you play out the season thinking, I think we can be better than that? Oh, I mean, I think I take that. Um, you yeah. know, I, they, they were, that's better than they were this year. And, like it you know, is I, yes i don't know that like you can make a super compelling case that they should be a, a lot better than they were this year i mean yes if everyone stays healthy that would help and obviously you know we know contos had bad injury luck at missouri but you can never bank on i mean as we know you can never bank on everyone staying healthy and you also can't bank on everyone who's coming back getting better because as we saw last year i mean a lot, a lot of guys kind of plateaued or maybe played a little bit worse um you know, shot the ball a lot worse in, in a few cases. So uh, I think he would take that and probably, you know, go into the SEC tournament and maybe just needing to win a game to get into the NCAA tournament. Obviously, just we're, you know, we're still kind of at a point where getting to the NCAA tournament would be a, a big achievement for this team and it's kind of the goal. So, uh, you know, it's always possible they could be better than that, but I think the odds are better that they would be worse than that. Right. Like, I would take it because, yeah, they could be better, but I think everybody that's saying, well, I think they're better than that, is basically basing it on, well, last year just is an aberration. Well, I mean, let's look at it. Is last year an aberration for Jeremiah Tillman, or is that kind of what he is at this point? It's three years in a row of it. Right. I mean, last year he's better, but when he played, that's who he is. Right. He's never been healthy, and he's Mm -hmm. also never put together – you know, eight to 10 straight games. It's always been, yeah, four good ones, a couple bad ones, four good ones. Uh, Mark Smith, is last year an aberration or is what he is, a guy that's going to give you half a season to be injured? Um, yeah. Is, is last year an aberration for Torrance Watson? Because right now the aberration is the last 10 games of his freshman year. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I think, kind of is what Javon Pickett is. So it's easy to say last year is, well, everything went wrong, but – I don't know, did it any more than you would think it will? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think 
there's there's reason for some optimism. Um, yeah. I think that the, the offense obviously started working a lot better at the end of the season when they shot fewer threes and, and kind of had Drew Smith mm-hmm. and Xavier Pinson going to the rack. And I think you can make the case that if they do that all year, they maybe win a few games earlier. And, and you know, that could obviously have changed a lot. I mean, the, the margin between a team on the bubble and a team, you know, whatever they were, 10th in the SEC. And, and not on not the not bubble. Really in discussion. Yeah, it's, it's pretty thin. It's like two or three games. But at the same time, like you said, uh, you know, like this recruiting class didn't impact this coming season a ton. Well, if they had gotten like a guy like like Justin Turner or Josh Groves were like, that would have, I think that, that we were all talking about at the end of last season is they needed one, the one guy who could go get them a bucket and let everyone else just kind of continue to do what they were doing. And I don't think they got that guy. Um, I think Drew Bugs could help in some role, but I don't think he's, you know, and an, a go-to scorer or a prolific shooter. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think basically right now you're looking at probably, you know, a, a team that's going to be somewhat similar to last year who that you hope, you know, shoots a little bit better and makes a couple more plays at the right times and maybe doesn't get as injured and can win, you know, two to, two to five more games something around that. Right. Well, and you were talking about Pinson, and I know a bunch of people are listening and are going, what do you mean they don't have a guy who can go get a bucket? Xavier Pinson averaged – by the way, I know his name is Xavier, but my mind can't allow me I to call him that. that. I just yeah. call him Xavier all the time. So, anyway, I, like, hey, he averaged 20 points a game his last 10 games or whatever. That's who he is now. I, I think there's a huge difference in doing what he did last year and doing it when he will now go into this year with other teams going, okay, that's the guy we've got to stop. Right. That's our, we're going to put our best defender on him. Mm-hmm. And then is he going to go score? I, I think if you're Conzo Martin, your hope is, no, he's not going to score 20 a game. But if other people are paying more attention to him, Jeremiah Tillman, Mark Smith, and Drew Smith are going to be better. Yeah, he, I think Penson is absolutely the most needs uh, some people to start knocking down shots because he's a good passer too. Yeah. I mean, he gets a little, a little flashy and, and makes a mistake sometimes, but he's a good distributor. He's, he's not a guy who's going to try to drive through double and triple teams to score. He's happy to pass the ball, but at a certain point, you need guys to score and you need Jeremiah Tillman to be on the floor and productive. And you need the, you know, the corner shooters, the guys like Torrance Watson and Javon Pickett and Mark Smith to be knocking down those shots. And if, if they can do that, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think they're good enough to make the tournament. If they, I really, it comes down to just if they can shoot the ball better um, because that will open up so much to, to you know, for, for Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson to drive through the lane. But it's hard to know, you know, between two seasons ago when they had a bunch of guys shoot up to close to 40% and this past season when everyone was shooting like 26%, like where does the true, you know, median life, especially since the line is going to continue to be what it was this past season and not in 2018-2019. Yeah, breaking news in basketball, you need people to score. This this is why people listen to this podcast. Uh, you learn things yeah. here. You just can't learn other places. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the season is – this is kind of where we're at. The season's, what, in an ideal world still six months away, and we're yeah. breaking down the season because that's what we've got. Um, yeah. Football, I – they got a couple more commitments. They're at six. Ryan Horsecamp uh, and Taj Butts, and mm-hmm. you know they're that. Hey, whatever, good players. I assume the staff wanted them. I, I'm not interested really in in going too much into what that means for the 2021 class. I mean, we got right. a long time left. Uh, but you know, uh, it's I have been interested. Like, and it's not just on our message board. Uh, some somebody said it on a radio show the other day the 
perception certainly is that this staff is is really doing a good job and tearing it up on the recruiting trail. I think they are doing a good job, um, you know. But I, again, I think it just shows the value of. I mean, we just talked to Chase Daniel, who talked to Eli Drinkwitz, and he said, "Man, that guy won me over. He can talk." It shows the value of being able to be a salesman. Missouri's never had a salesman as a head football coach, at least not since I've been. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Bob Stoll was a really good salesman. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't really pay that much attention then. But, like, in the last – Larry Smith was no salesman. Gary Pinkle yeah. wasn't a salesman. Barry Odom certainly wasn't. Like, right. there's something to be said. Eventually, you're going to have to back it up with wins. But for right mm-hmm. now – Having the personality and, and getting the PR game is, is worth a lot. Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple big things that contribute to it. A, like you said, Drinkwitz is he's a really good talker. He's going to win any sort of public appearance or public speaking thing, and he's going to impress people, and he's different. He's different than the last guy, which people want. The other thing, obviously, you know, there's not a lot going on right now, so, you know, any news is kind of amplified. Like, you know, you know, yes, at this time last year, you know, there were commitments – happening actually maybe a little bit later that they are a little bit earlier this year but there was other stuff going on for people to to have in their lives you know other sports they might have been watching or work or whatever there's literally nothing right now um and I, i just think like we see it every time there's a new coach i mean people get really excited and and you know i feel bad calling it confirmation bias because i don't want to like make people feel bad for being excited about a new coach right that's what it is. You you want you look for proof <laughs> if, that you're right that he is well, going to. Well, be and if you're not excited about a new coach, like what a terrible hire your school must have exactly. made. Yeah, you know. So it's good that people are excited, but I, I just think that you know a lot of times people look for for reasons or proof that this guy is going to be different and he's going to be the one to change change everything. And you know, probably never six months in or however long it's four months in since is are you going to actually have that proof when, when right. he hasn't played a game and I think that was the big thing you know the other morning you, you kind of t- played the role of wet blanket on the message board and yes. said you know like let's simmer down a little bit guys and people accused you of rushing to judgment and I was like who are the ones rushing to judgment here? Right. The people who are saying we finally found an ace recruiter when he signed five kids or the person who's saying let's not anoint him as savior. Well, and it, look, I understand by now being the guy going onto a fan <laughs> message board saying slow down yes, a little yes. bit with your optimism is never going to be a popular viewpoint. Um, and, and I'm like, I want to be clear. I'm not saying he's no good or isn't doing a good job. Exactly. I, look, I, I think he's, he's doing a fine job, but I also think we've talked about this a lot and part of our predictions this morning was it, where's the class going to end up? Look, a Missouri recruiting class is almost always going to end up somewhere between like 28 and 38 in the country. It just mm-hmm. is. It's not about, is Gary Pinkle the coach? Is Eli Drinkwitz the coach? Is Jesus Christ the coach? It doesn't matter. It's what you're recruiting to. It's where they're going to be ranked. And I, I did a lot on Monday morning about star rankings, and it's really fun when you're not Alabama, Georgia, USC, or Ohio State to say they don't matter. But if you look at the NFL draft, they just do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they, they, they 100% matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, they don't, 
they don't matter as much on an individual basis, which is why I think but it's they so still easy. do matter on that basis. No, but like, I think it's so easy for fans to look at like one five star who who right. you know was bad and one two star was good and be like, see, like this is proof they don't matter. But like you said, if you look at it on a macro level on what schools are bringing in, how many numbers of five stars, and you know, I mean, it's it's the same. You know, it's the ones we see in the playoff every year. It's Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and of course then you see those guys going at the top of the draft so yeah um you know and it's it is hard i mean it's just it's almost impossible for a school to break in from a tier that missouri's into that upper echelon um you know it just kind of you have to live with the reality that it might be a once every 10 year thing where you get you know the right number of four and five star guys and the the right blend of you know two and three star guys who surprise because you're just you're just never going to have quite the same talents as those schools. Right. And so like, I only took one math class in college. It was a statistics class. I don't same. remember it. We don't, we don't, it met over in uh, the geology building. We, we yeah, don't have to, same, uh, yeah. it, it, probably the very same class, uh, probably, yeah. but uh, like they didn't require us to take a lot of math, but this is kind of a statistical thing. Basically on any individual kid, the ranking completely doesn't matter. Any two-star kid could become an NFL All-Pro, and any five-star kid right. could completely wash out. But the numbers say, as the ranking goes down, like, you have exponentially smaller chance to be an NFL player. It's like something like 60% of the five-stars were drafted this year. And then at four-star, it goes down to like 20-some-odd percent. And then by three-star, it's down to like 7%. And right. two stars is like 2%. So, so every – and the difference is, yeah, there may be a five-star at Georgia or Clemson that washes out. But when 60% of them work out and they have three other five-stars right behind him, they're going to have one that works out. It doesn't matter which one it is. Yeah. When you're a Missouri, an Oklahoma State, a Texas Tech, uh, pick any random school mm – -hmm. You have that five-star, okay, he has a 60% chance of working out, and hopefully he does, but A, he's probably the only one on your roster, and B, if he doesn't work out, then the guy behind him is a three-star who you have to hope overachieves. It's just, it's like every single number, every single thing that happens out there proves that this is the most inequitable sport in all sports, and it's right. absolutely impossible to become one of the haves when you aren't. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, maybe not absolutely impossible, but it's very, I mean, it's extremely unlikely. Right. You just have to, you have to get, you have to get really lucky with the, with the coaching hire that elevates your, you know, your, your facilities and your donor base to a point to, 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 you know, keep up. So, and, yeah. and now big red auto can pay the blue bud players $9 million <laughs> yeah, should, to do a 30 second commercial and everybody's screwed. We should touch on that. No, I, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, so, you know, I've, I think I've mentioned on our podcast before I'm always I've been a proponent of the name image likeness thing um, you know I think it's actually great for a lot of non-revenue athletes uh, who you know right. don't get as much you know notoriety and aren't going to make a lot of money if they go pro in their sport but could really benefit from being like you know like a, a Jaden Cox like a local star or even like a Michael Chadwick who I swam with who could you know maybe give some lessons or, or market some sort of swimming apparel or whatever um, but the, the main argument that we see against it is that it's going to widen this divide. First of all, like we just said, it's hard for it to get a lot wider. Impossible for it to get <laughs> yeah. wider. Exactly. I mean, like 
you know, people are saying like, it, it's going to be like, it's good. We're just going to see Alabama and LSU dominate. Like, have you been paying attention? Right. <laughs> like, Perfect. I actually think a case can be made and it may not happen right away. We may need some like examples of this to build up first to, to show kids, but that, you know, a star or even a, a very good player at Missouri would be maybe significantly more marketable than that same player would be at Alabama. Like think of Cale Garrett, who was, you know, really loved from the state, but a fine linebacker. He maybe started at Alabama, probably not, honestly. Right. You know, he's just another cog there, whereas here he's the face of the team. He's the team captain and all that. Like he's, his marketability is certainly going to be much higher here. Well, and it, the argument, and I'm kind of loving all the reaction, and I'm not picking on our message board because it's the reaction all over. Right. Yeah. But like all the reaction I'm seeing from people – all these people were super in favor of the student athletes and their ability to capitalize on things until it became a reality. And they started to think, well, number one, I still can't play a video game. And number two, <laughs> it's going to hurt my team. And now everybody's like, no, this is exactly. terrible. Unless yeah. I'm an Alabama or a Clemson fan, but kind of going back to that, that part of the argument, you know, people are saying, well, now the people that have money are just going to pay these kids $20 million to do a 30 second car commercial. Or first of all, they're stupid if they do that. <laughs> and generally you don't get rich by being stupid, but also like nobody says you can't do that. If you're exactly. a Missouri booster or an Illinois booster or a UAB booster and you want to do yeah. that, then go do it. Like yeah. if that's what you want to spend your money on, yeah. I, I personally would advise against it, but it's not my money. So go ahead. Right. Why, and like, why I and can't also, pay that guy $600,000. <laughs> and also, like you said, like, I mean, if it ha like, if, there's almost no way that you're going to do that for more than one player because no. I just don't think the return on investment from a business standpoint is going to be very high. <laughs> right. And, and like, Name, find a player who didn't go to one of those schools, who now is going to go to one of those schools because of commercial opportunities. Like, right. I, I mean, Tua went there anyway. Trevor exactly. Lawrence went yeah. there anyway. Who, right. who are these guys coming out of high school that are blue chip recruits who aren't going to these schools already? That's a great point. Yeah, people are saying like, well, Mizzou could never pay enough as they're going to pay the best players at Alabama. Mizzou's not recruiting the best players right. at Alabama. You know, so, yeah, yeah, they're, I, they're I, swimming I, in different pools. Exactly. So, yeah, and I think I, I really do believe that, that, you know, it's possible and not that this is going to change a ton, but like I do think it's possible that you could have some of those, you know, five-star kids who, who, you know, right now the pitch is all about come play for a chance at a national title and this is the best place to get, you know, drafted out because we have put out 37 players drafted in the last three drafts or whatever. And I think now it's going to be about what we can, you know, get you some money before the draft. Uh, if you come be at the big fish in this small pond, uh, yeah. I really do think that's a valid recruiting pitch that, that, you know, it's again, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to change the sport for much better or worse. Like it already, it is what it is. It's, it's going to be the same few schools every year, but I, I do think that's a possibility. I mean, books could be written on all the things that have happened over the last 50 years that people said is going to be the <laughs> end of college sports. And like yeah. college sports is still here. Like I, I don't remember this because I'm not quite this old, but at one point the forward pass was going to end football, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's okay. Like yeah. it, things are going to go on and if kids make some money, good for them. You know, I yeah. mean, I'm going to start paying these kids to 
pick up the phone and do interviews with us, maybe. <laughs> that would be ideal. Well, I'm probably not. Love, yeah, probably not. Again, return on investment there. But. There is zero chance they're going <laughs> to say anything worth me spending money on it. But Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so I don't know. What else is going on? Um, oh, man. I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything. We kind of touched on the draft. but uh, Oh, yeah, the draft. Yeah, Alberto to the Broncos. I feel like I can talk about Alberto for a minute, just because yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Broncos fan. Just because you're going to watch him for the next. Sure, sure. I mean, however I, long. I, I was. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, that's super cool that he gets to team up with Drew Locke, and it's cool for me, you know, just to watch guys that I've gotten to know a little bit um, for the Broncos. I, I think it's a weird fit for him, to be quite honest, in Denver because he's basically a Noah Fant clone, but a lot less consistent and more injury prone. I mean, like, I, I have a hard time seeing you play both on the field at the same time because neither one could block me. <laughs> like, they're just – they're not very good blockers. But, like, isn't the, flip, isn't the flip side of that – like, now when Noah Fant has to take a play off, you have another Noah Fant out yes. there? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's, that, that's potentially helpful, especially at first. I just, I don't know that I see like, you know, and, and maybe if Albert really progresses, he can take Noah Fant's job and the trade Noah Fant or something, whatever. I just don't see that like people are talking about, oh, like that'd be dynamic, two tight ends at the same time. I, I don't see them playing together really ever because it's not like the and, offensive line's great at blocking either. And tell um, me, who are you taking off the field to put Albert out there? Exactly. Not Courtland right. Sutton, not right. Jerry Judy, not KJ right. Hamler. Not Philip so, Lindsay or Melvin Gordon. Yeah, exactly. And like you know, when you usually when you have two tight end sets, you're you're going to need someone who is at least a threat to stay in and block. And like right. when they so, see Albert on the field, he's not going to block. So and that's the so that's the Broncos' big thing uh, is like not their tight ends. Can they actually block anybody? Like can their offensive line? keep drew lock upright long enough to throw to these guys yeah i have no idea that's that's gonna be <laughs> i mean you know more about it than i do no that's gonna be the big question for sure i mean they they went out and got a, a interior offensive lineman in free agency and that their right tackle last season played like two games he was hurt all year yeah. um and they drafted a center but no i mean like the the big questions for the broncos I, and i loved what they did in the draft and i love that they're clearly pretty committed to drew lock because they're you know they're going out and getting him pieces the questions are going to be can he stay upright and and does he kind of take that next step um as an nfl quarterback or does he kind of regress a little bit as defenses you know because defenses in the nfl after they get a little tape on you they tend to play you a little bit better so right uh, we'll see but i'm i'm optimistic and i'm, I'm happy for drew just that that you know that the front office has kind of seemed to embrace him and is building around him. And, and people who do what we do say all the time, like, look, you root for stories. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here for a Kansas City kid leading the Denver Broncos against the Chiefs as the two best teams in the AFC West for a decade. I'd love yeah. that. One, one because because like, the Raiders just for the 27th consecutive year just drafted the fastest guy in the draft without yeah, thinking yeah, about anything fair. else. And the Chargers, frankly, took a guy that I don't think is any good as a quarterback. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not sold on Justin Herbert either. Like, I, um, I, but, my nightmare was that the Chargers were going to take Tua. Because I think mm-hmm. Tua's actually a good NFL quarterback. Yeah, but yeah, I was going to say one of us should probably go and like cover a Broncos Chiefs game or something in yeah. the city, but I don't know if either of us can do it impartially <laughs> I, enough. <laughs> well, I, I will cover one late in the year when the Chiefs are 12-1 and one and the Broncos are 8-4 and four and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, the Chiefs can go ahead and lose that game and it's okay. I'll go cover yeah. that. 
I mean, I, 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 it would be, it's definitely, like you said, the super compelling get story. kicked out of the press like, box. It, I, I don't know if I, I really don't know. That's like the only team I think I, I would have any trouble covering against the Broncos, if it matters. Like, if it doesn't yeah. matter, like you said. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it'll be, I mean, I think realistically, what the Broncos are doing is hoping in two years to be what the Chiefs are now, right? I mean, yeah. they're just, they're a couple steps behind in the progression because, I, you know, Noah Fant, they hope he turns into Travis Kelsey. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to put on Drew Locke, they hope he turns into Mahomes, but they hope he right, turns right. into a really good quarterback. Uh, yeah. Cortland Sutton is really good. He's not, at this point, Tyreek Hill. Right, well, they're yeah. very different players. Seems to be too. a better yeah, I mean, human think- being, probably, but. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully. Um, Maybe. <laughs> but no, I, I think, I don't know. I think I, I sort of agree. I think it's just kind of the whole shift of the league that everyone yeah. has realized that you have to score points now. There's no win. You're just not winning a lot of games, 13 to 6. I still don't think the Broncos are ever, I mean, I just don't think Vic Fangio and Andy Reid are that slow. They're never going to, he's never going to, you know, probably throw it around quite as much as Andy Reid does or, or run some of the, you know, the trickery and then stuff like that. Um, but yes, I do think even a, a defensive and all defensive coach like Vic Fangio is, is realizing that you, you have to have, you know, an offense that can put up points and you have to put some skill players on the field that can create mismatches. The other one, like, look, neither one of us knows as much about the Browns as we know about the Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like Jordan Elliott, Sheldon Richardson's there too, so you could right. see kind of Mizzou guys next to each other. I actually kind of feel about Jordan Elliott the way a lot of people seem to feel about Albert, which is he could be in the league for a long time and be really good because he's got the physical tools, but it also won't shock me if he's not. I mean, we yeah. saw flashes of it. I don't think we saw it every week by any means. Yeah, he was – I mean, he was pretty good for a stretch last season, and the stats didn't necessarily show it, but he was getting, you know, double double and triple teams, and he, I think, was a big part of Kobe Whiteside's success. And he was good. He he had a few games where, you know, I, I thought he kind of disappeared, like that Georgia game. I didn't think he was really a factor. Of course, no one really was. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel pretty good about Jordan Elliott as a pro. I think – Part of it is, you know, he, he actually really has very little wear and tear on his body for a defensive tackle right. coming out of college. He's played basically one and a half seasons. I mean, two years ago, he played at like half the snaps. Um, so that, that helps him. And he, I mean, he's, a, he's clearly a pretty good explosive athlete. Um, I don't know. I, I can, I'm not going to pretend to be a defensive tackle scout, but I, I was impressed with what he did in his last year at Mizzou. I think consistency is definitely an issue, but I don't know. I mean, he's yeah. got as good a chance, I feel like, as, as – your average, you know, second, third pick of sticking in the league. Yeah, he reminds me in many ways of Sheldon. Like, they're two of the very few guys I've seen in person and covered that, like, they weigh – you know they weigh 320 pounds, but, like, they're not fat at all. Right. You know, yeah. they're clearly in excellent shape. Um, but also just comparing him to the and, – and I don't think any – most people that were around the program would have told you this a year ago. We thought this a year ago. I think the general fan didn't. Like, he's a better player than Terry Beckner. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got a better chance as a pro than Terry Beckner did. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that was definitely a – I mean, he was talked about as a potential pro as soon as he got on campus, even when he yeah. was sitting out. I think he yeah. just needed to, needed to get in a little better shape and be a little more consistent. So, it's the second year in a row that, like, we've gone into the draft saying it could be four, five, six guys, and it ends up being two. So, is that just – 
people are too optimistic going in, we don't know enough about everybody else, or is there something about, hey, you know, maybe the talent on this team wasn't what people thought the talent on this team was? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a little bit of a combination of both. Um, you know, A, like we said in the last one, we don't know that much about everybody else. I mean, it's not like any of us right. who are talking about which Mizzou players might be drafted have actually scoured the, the other contenders you, to go in the You didn't seven, know about so. the safety from Lenore Ryan that went I, in the second I, round? I was not familiar with him, no. Yeah, much either. less anyone who was drafted in the, you know, on day, day three. But uh, also, yeah, I mean, you know, NFL draft pick is NFL draft pick numbers are a, really a pretty reliable indicator of yeah. how talented your team was. And while yes, you can have, you know, some very good college players who, who don't get drafted. I mean, most of the time, you know, obviously this is not groundbreaking. Most of the time, the more talented team is going to win and the more talented players are going to get drafted. It's, it's pretty simple. So uh, like you laid out, you know, that era when, when Gary, Gary Pinkle had the program going and they got what 15 draft picks in a, what was it five year span or something like that? Something like four, that. Yeah. Three year, four year span. Uh, that was, I mean, the, no coincidence, the best Missouri teams we've right. seen. Yeah. And so, last thing on this, I, I actually had this discussion with somebody on Saturday night. Somebody was like, geez, no Odom player has been drafted out of high school, you know, whatever. And I said, which almost supports the argument that he was a better coach than you think he was because these two things cannot both be true. Number one, his recruiting sucked. And number two, he underachieved as a coach. No, if his recruiting sucked, then he probably did about what he should as a coach. If he had talent to win nine or 10 games and he sucked as a coach, then his recruiting actually was decent. Like, and I'm not arguing that he should have stayed. I'm just arguing that you can't, vehemently argue both of those things he sucked as a recruiter and he sucked as a coach no like if that was the case they'd have been two and ten right i just think it's crazy how i don't know which one's more true but yeah i just think it's crazy and it shows how one or two plays can affect everything so much between his job security and his you know uh, perception perceive him yeah Yeah. like you know if they if they win that game against kentucky or just one of the two games one of the any games against against south carolina Yeah. Or a, you know a close game like that, like people probably think like, yeah, he he's a like a, a I mean a good a good Solid. decent to good maybe overachieving coach. Maybe his recruiting wasn't as great, but like he's he's able to coach these guys up and put them in a position to win and pull out a, a win or two. But like when when he he lost the you know the the games the two games there the the uh, the South Carolina and the Kentucky game that he you know they pretty clearly should have won both. I think that's what really added fuel to the fire to the narrative of it, you know he's not a good on game day coach right and the nine people who are listening to this i know are already pounding at their keyboard telling me i'm just defending and i'm really not like yeah. I'm, I'm not even saying he shouldn't have been fired i'm just saying pick an argument either he sucked as a recruiter or he sucked as a coach clearly he kind of sucked at one of them i mean because he's not <laughs> yeah. here anymore so right, but yeah. just just pick one because you're almost arguing in a circle against yourself um well if there's one thing if there's one thing people <laughs> on the internet can do it's argue with themselves he can argue in a circle no question all right so we'll wrap this up pretty quick um i don't know we covered i think most of the mizzou stuff so we'll just i, I didn't anticipate going here uh when we started but i will explain why i'm going to so we've all been you know quarantine and working from home this is not unusual for you and me but it's a little different than it normally is so my 
home office, which I never actually use when it's normal life because I just sit downstairs in my living room because I'm the only one in my house. But now I've been using it the last few weeks. Also, the when we got a cat a couple months ago, he is this is kind of his room. He he comes to the <laughs> office. So it was a heroic effort for me to get through the last 15 minutes of this podcast because the cat came in and took a crap in the middle of the podcast. And these are the, uh, these are the, these are the hardships of quarantine 2020. I'm about to, I'm about to pass out. (laughs) You could have probably picked up your computer and moved. I mean, like uh, I I could have, but I mean, there's other people in my house and they don't want to hear me talking about this. So like, Wow. What's it, what's the roughest thing about working about your quarantine situation? I, I mean that it, it, not as bad as that. I would say uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know if I, I don't feel justified complaining about anything now. Um, okay. I mean it's it's fine. You know, I mean, like you said, it's really not that unusual for us. Uh, it's right. really just that there's less to write about while I'm writing from home. But and there's a little fewer places to go in my free time. I, but uh, I can't say this is all that unusual. I feel like there's actually been somewhat a decent like I don't feel yet like we've hit the point of going oh my god how do we keep writing stories right yeah no that's I, true we I feel like we've done a pretty good job we might we might get there pretty soon like I mean definitely so, I guess we'll be there yeah so uh I saw one more thing I guess the Mountain West moved its media days to some online deal mm-hmm. um those were supposed to be three days after SEC media days I it is my assumption that SEC media days in Atlanta are not going to happen in Atlanta as scheduled. Right. You agree? Yeah. I would agree. It, yeah. it is also my argument that conference media days should permanently be moved online. All of them. Yeah. Or just cancel. I, I mean, completely. it would be better for, right. First of all, we don't need it. Like I don't need to go interview Dan Mullen about, because <laughs> media days began and existed for newspaper writers to, talk to coaches and write these big special sections about the SEC in late August, breaking down every team with quotes. Well, you can't, I I mean, I guess you can still do it, but the problem is once that coach says that at media day, it is now immediately available anywhere on the internet. Mm -hmm. So writing those quotes a month and a half later is stupid. Mm -hmm. Asking Kirby smart about playing a Missouri team that he's not going to play for three months is pointless. Mm -hmm. So there's, the only reason we really all go to media days is one, because we're expected to mm-hmm. B because we get to see people that cover other teams and drink with them and C so that the sec can tweet out that they credentialed 1900 <laughs> beings to cover <laughs> sec media days, 600 of which work for like tourism companies, 600 of which have blogs that are actually just Microsoft Word documents, and I think 174 of which are actually dogs. (laughs) Don't forget the bull reps in their suits. (laughs) The bull reps, yes. But I mean, it's like there is no reason to – we're talking about where can you save money, where can you do all this stuff. There's no reason that Media Day shouldn't just be a Zoom call. Right. Or something. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, that's why when you ask, I mean, SEC media days isn't going to happen. I was not hesitant in saying, no, it's not going to happen in person because there's no reason for it to. It doesn't need to happen in person. We can, you know, we can 
do a little, you know, they can have a, a little, it's, I mean, basically the SEC teleconference that they have every single week. Yes. Uh, just, just basically have another one of those, maybe make it a little longer and then have a separate thing for the media at each school where you get to talk to a couple players and the coach. Right. Too. Like, so yeah, the, every year we get the coach and three players for like, I don't know, 40 minutes. So right. like we can do that. Like Therese Hall, when he was at media day said, <laughs> I didn't know this was a big deal. I thought you guys were just going to come over the facility and talk to right. us. Like right. we could like, do that. that Why not? Yeah. yeah. So well, hopefully that is like a permanent, uh, you know, yeah. positive change for I'm, the virus. No more. Yeah, media. I'm rooting for everything to actually happen except for media days. That I want canceled. Yeah, yeah, so. I would agree. All right. Um, I don't know. We covered it all this week. Uh, maybe we'll talk more next week. I don't know. Sure. Maybe not. Sometime. We'll see what happens. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, we'll talk to you later on.